0: Welcome to the Business of Being You podcast, a podcast about authenticity and the different ways people choose to be authentic. My name is Marco Benitez, also known as Coach Marco B. I'm very excited to have this uh, episode today, this conversation. Today's topic is unlikely encounters and how they can change your life and others. I'm really excited to have my guest today. Uh, She's one of my favorite people in the whole world. Her name is Liz Gannon Graydon. Uh, She's uh, very, very... uh, Longtime friend. Uh, I'll tell you a little bit about her. So, Liz Gannon-Graden is co founder and president of What Better Looks Like, a nonprofit organization that taps into the creative potential of people to help solve problems in their local communities. She's also the national chair for the Peace Alliance, whose work revolves around uh, shifting to a culture of peace. And she also started what she calls her Tea Party, which is held in Bryant Park. And that's going to be uh, A big part of our of the the route around our conversation today um so welcome miss uh liz gannon graden
1: nice nice to see you marco we've had so many beautiful conversations over the years and i'm looking forward to this one
0: absolutely absolutely
1: so the topic for today is
0: unlikely encounters and and how they can change your life and others and we ran into each other after many years uh maybe about a year or two ago at a cafe and you were sharing what you were doing with the the tea party um it just seems like such a simple thing to do but in today's society and and especially in new york it's such an uncommon thing to do um first tell me a little bit about it and uh then we'll get into a little bit more of the background how it got started
1: yeah basically we um for nine years now, Marco. <laughs> for nine years. Um, generally on Thursdays, weather permitting, uh, I hold a tea party in Bryant Park, which is one for those of you who aren't New Yorkers, it's it's one block away from Times Square. It's really in the crossroads of New York City. It's in the heart of the city. And I pack about 30 cups. And it's it started out as my mother's and grandmother's china but i've had donations from many people over the years i pack up china cups i put down tablecloths i bake fresh goods myself an assortment that are usually seasonal and i bring tea and we have a tea party and it's funny we usually start around noon and in warm weather we go till the park closes nine or ten at night
0: wow yeah wow that's Yeah. that's amazing so so yeah. how did this get started
1: i can tell you the way Um, the event started and then how the tea party started. Mm -hmm. I made a decision to homeschool my own kids and it was back in 2014. It was the, I I was just looking for free things to do with my kids in the city. And on Thursdays in the summers in Bryant Park, they have something called Broadway in Bryant Park. And basically what they do is there's a stage and the actual Broadway stars come and they sing and they perform for an hour at lunchtime. And so I put it out on Facebook, and I just said, I'm going to pack a lunch. I'm going to be in Bryant Park if anyone wants to come. And people showed up. And I think it was five or six weeks in a row we were there. And I thought, well, when the summer ends, I'm going to have to stop doing it. But because I homeschool my boys, I could adjust the schedule. And so we just kind of committed as long as the weather was okay, we were going to still do this once a week. But the shift happened uh, at the end of the summer, the beginning of the fall. And it was one of those nights when you first feel that chill that where you know fall is coming. And a couple of my friends went to get coffee. They went to get cups of coffee. And one of the women who was sitting with me said, "Ah, you know what, I really prefer tea. I said, I do too, I'm a tea drinker. And she said, but I only like drinking tea out of a real China cup.
0: Mm.
1: And we had all been meeting weekly. And I said, you know what? I have all these cups that were my mother's and grandmothers and I never use them, they sit in a cabinet. So I said, next week i'll pack two cups i'll bring a thermos of tea and we'll just have a little tea part you know we'll just have tea in the park right and as i was getting ready i thought i had these really beautiful a friend had given me um really big linen napkins and i thought oh i can put those down on the table and i thought if i'm bringing two cups i may as well bring four because you don't know if someone else is going to show up (laughs) right and i thought and i'll make a blueberry bread and i'll just bring it and we were sitting there marco and and do you, are you familiar with Brian Park? I yeah, not no, how well so you know. okay. So in the summertime, it gets really crowded and it was still the end of the summer and it was lunchtime. And there was a gentleman sitting next to us and he was trying to eat his lunch on his lap because there were no free tables. And we had room at the table. So I just asked if he wanted to join us. And it turned out he spoke not one word of English. I said, thank goodness for uh, Google Translate. He was an actor and he was in from turkey and thing is he was an actor in turkey and he said but if you want to be an actor you need to come to new york so he had auditioned for a school here in new york he got in cool. um but but he couldn't act in english yet so during the days he was going to english classes and at night he was taking his acting classes so he asked we were talking and it was a lot this is the first unexpected encounter right? i not know that was where so it was an unexpected encounter that started the whole thing and so I asked him if he had a favorite actor and he said yes Al Pacino and I went me too oh my god I love Al Pacino so there was that commonality Right. right there and so he asked if I had ever had Turkish tea and I said not that I know of and my friend said well come next week and bring some Turkish tea we'll be here next week and he said next week and she said yes and he said can I bring my friends?" And he brought his whole class. There were like 10 or 12 of them from his English wow. as a second language class. And they came and it was fun. And and so that was the beginning of the Tea Party.
0: That's simple. And
1: it, yeah, it was that simple. But at the same time, it's th- where the intentionality shifted. At the same time, and we can go back into this. I know you want to talk a little bit about background. My father, who had been a college professor and an That's activist true. in the 60s, started to delve into um alzheimer's
0: Mm.
1: and he had always taught me about the beloved community right that was a really important concept and it was an idea that he got from martin luther king and so as he started to go into alzheimer's and we would gather every week i decided what had started kind of unintentionally in this very simple way I was going to do intentionally for as long as i could as an exercise almost in beloved community uh, to honor my dad
0: wow yeah you know what i find most interesting is that you know something like this which became a thing and eventually became something more powerful and influential not just for yourself but also for the people in whom you engage with is that it didn't take a lot of planning it was a very casual <laughs> it was a very casual kind of passing comment yeah. and i found that myself in my life and that you know i, I think this, what did they said it was a quote a long time ago a long time ago it just something like you know when when god speaks to you he doesn't roar like a lion he yeah. whispers You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. he whispers in the wind or something like that oh um, that's beautiful and, and i feel that that That's just another example. Would you share that? That's another example of how that happens. It was just very casual. Like, do you want to do this? Yes, sure. Let's do it. Yeah. And and it also brings to mind some of these um how opportunities work, how opportunity Mm -hmm. knocks. Opportunity is not, you know, the 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 IRS knocking at your door, (laughs) or someone trying to get you. You know, when when uh, you borrow the lawnmower, you don't return it. You know, yeah. sometimes opportunity knocks, you know, the way Amazon knocks during the holidays. It's like you drop the package <laughs> ding and if you're Oh my there, god, I
1: love that. You know, yeah. you drop the
0: package ding and if you don't come on time, someone's gonna snatch it. <laughs> you know? Oh,
1: I love that. That's beautiful. So yeah.
0: so that's really yeah. interesting. So when did you really start to feel like it was really starting to take off? Like this was this was like because when we spoke yeah. about this before, it it was more of something like sure why not. And then it seemed to turn into something like, I need to continue to do this.
1: Yeah, I, it became, well, it just was fun, Mm -hmm. right? So Uh, the first few years, so 2014, 15, 16, and 17, right? It it was just fun. And I would go, we would go as long as the weather permitted. And then something really, um, powerful happened in the in the middle of 2017 a woman was walking by and she said I see you here regularly again right those encounters and and can you just tell me what's going on and it turns out she worked at the park Mm. and she said wow she said do you think I could give your phone number to our uh PR department um because they maybe might want to connect with you and so I I talked to the gentleman who runs the Runs their PR department, and he said, "I have a friend, or I, I, I have a contact at the New York Times uh, who does feature stories, and I think he might be interested in this. Would you be willing to talk to him?" So I said, "Sure." And Marco, it was so interesting to me. I talked to the gentleman, a lovely, uh, a lovely guy. His name is Corey Kilgannon, and we talked on the phone a couple of times. And he showed up, and he said he was going to have a photographer. He was going to talk to us for a little bit. And I thought he was maybe going to stay for a few minutes, take a few pictures. And he ended up staying the whole afternoon. He stayed for a few hours.
0: Oh.
1: And it was in October. It was in October of 2017. And he said he would let me know when they were publishing it. And it, he didn't contact me. He didn't contact me. And I thought maybe, maybe they decided not to use it. It's not a time-sensitive story. And then he reached out to me, Marco. I don't know that I ever told this part of the story to you. He reached out to me and he said, I want to tell you, it seems like it's this time of year, because around December, we would wrap it up uh, until spring. And he said, I had to try to tell this story in a way that was true, but didn't make it sound as good as it is, because you would be so inundated with people and it would get ruined. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) And he said, so I'm just going to say this to you. I'm going to publish it as close to the end of the year as i can and you'll get a rush of people but then when you come back in the spring the people who are supposed to be there will show up oh. wow. and he took such care of me and i've never forgot i've never forgotten that each year i had actually want to send him another message so i just kind of write and thank him wow. yeah so that's how it shift the energy shifted wow. because there were people that came because they read the article right wow. And that brought a whole bunch of, like, truly magical people into my life. Right. Yeah. Was it? I I was gonna,
0: I'm gonna, I want to ask you, was it all nice people? Because, you know, it's New York and it's the city and it's a park, you know? Um, and New York has a, we have a reputation here. Um,
1: Yeah. Was it mostly
0: good? Was it, were there any awkward moments?
1: i will say this i have found very few moments that i felt i couldn't handle i have discovered something about myself marco and this is a new thing i'm discovering um you can make fun of me you can call me out on things you can call out my husband and my kids and i will defend them but there's one thing that i get really defensive about and it's new york I'm a lifelong New Yorker, right, born and raised in New York. And I, yes, there are, when people hear about New York, and it's the center of New York, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and um, but New Yorkers really are beautiful people. That's my experience of New yep.
0: Yorkers. Mm-hmm. And
1: so what I find is we sit in a little area, and if you don't know us, you might not know you were supposed to be included, so a lot of people walk by and the only kind of rule i have there aren't any rules is if you smile if you acknowledge us i invite you to sit down right and that's everybody everybody who walks by and the thing is you mostly don't know have there been times when there were people um that i felt i needed to guide one way or another yes people who i thought maybe were a little i don't want to say dangerous i never felt in danger but people that felt a little less stable, right, right, right? I would I would sometimes invite them to sit at my end of the table and offer them a cup of tea and then guide them on their way.
0: Right.
1: I mean, there are people and, I, and I'll be honest, right? People talk about post covid
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, for one year. We didn't do the, the park that one summer. We didn't do the park. We did it on Zoom with some regulars. Oh, interesting. But each year we've gotten at least some in person. Right and and there's definitely a feeling of unease more mm. in the city that is the reality right um my dad gave me a gift when i was nine years old Parker. he was taking me to the to the madison square garden for the horse show right mm. in the city and he he taught in manhattan And so it was only me. He was taking me in for my birthday. So it was just none of my siblings were there. It was myself and him on the Long Island Railroad into Penn Station. And when we got there, it was really scary, right? Because there's the rush of people on the platform. And I'm holding my dad's hand. And he said, we can just wait till everyone goes. And then we were walking gently through Penn Station. And he stopped at a point where there was a person, you know, I guess we would call homeless, right? Sitting there. Unhoused. And my father walked up to him, and he had money in his hand. But he did something that I didn't realize till later was was unique. He put the money in the man's hand, but he took the man's hand and clasped both of the man's hands. And he said, here you go, my friend. And Mark, I'll never forget it. I watched the man's eyes kind of clear for a second and then tear up. And he said, why did you call me friend? And he said because you are my friend and i don't remember any i don't remember the horse i don't remember anything else i just never forgot that moment and so i have found that even people who seem um you know living on the street or on some kind of on edge if you invite them to sit down and have a cup of tea uh even for a little bit you can watch something shift right when they understand that they're welcome, when they understand that they can drink out of a beautiful teacup, yeah. But there are a couple of things that I learned, and the Tea Party helped me do that. It's interesting, I talk a lot about my father's story. He was so influential to me as a child, right? He believed in the beloved community. He was very much interested in making systemic change. And my mother was an emergency room nurse in Greenwich Village. So she used to take care of what people used to refer to as the Bowery bums, you know? Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. know if you ever heard that phrase, right? And she would minister to the homeless. Mm-hmm. And and they had these very different views of life. My father would talk about systemic change and love. And my mother used to say, you can't change the world. You can only change the person in front of you. That's the only mm-hmm. person you can reach. Mm-hmm. And I, when I was younger, I loved my father's vision, right? Um. But what i see myself doing it started out the tea party started out as my father's the vision in honor of my dad but i find myself doing more and more what my mother did Mm. like really healing to people by doing that like my sister was also a nurse at the beginning of aids crisis and i remember like the importance of touching people and i'll tell you a decision i made there were a couple of people who came regularly three of them uh, who were unhoused And so during COVID, i didn't see them obviously and i didn't know how they if they survived or anything and then when i was headed in for the first in-person tea party last summer um i'll just say this i'm not I, i don't believe kind of in a god in the sky like the patriarchal god in the sky but when i was a little girl i saw the play fiddler on the roof and i loved i don't know if you've ever seen it no But the main character just talks to god in this very loving way right you couldn't make me a rich man you know like and so i talked i had this very kind of dialogue with god all the time right even though i would say my my understanding of kind of the relationship is more complex than that but when i was headed into the city for the first one of tea party post-covid i really said to god if i see any of my friends who have been living on the street i am going to hug them because they are going to need to be hugged because no one has probably touched them in a year so i said whatever you have to do to protect me now i was we were masked we did right, everything right. right we were out in the open and when i when the first gentleman came up and he saw me and i saw him i did go and i hugged him mm. um and i think it's exactly what you said i think we have a dearth especially live in a big city a dearth of healthy Human touch,
0: yeah.
1: and healthy human touch is so important. Of course, I asked his permission. I said, "May I hug you?" Right, like I. Yeah. yeah. But I, I think you named something really important. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's it, it's tricky too, you know. it's Yes. It, it's difficult thing to navigate, you know. It's...
1: Yeah, and and I was, uh, you know, a precaution, and and you know, I was wearing gloves. Mm-hmm. You know, I I tried yeah. to do everything as smart as I could and um but i think there there are a couple of things and i'm looking at your beautiful background i think a couple of reasons it works is i think we need beauty especially in a in a big city right Mm. a lot of people aren't really the beauty can be embraced as a as a superficial thing but it isn't a superficial thing Mm. To connect in deep beauty and when people pass by and and there are china cups and they're all different but they're all beautiful and the tablecloths and i put you know whatever i baked out on lovely platters i think there's this idea that you can connect with your own beauty Mm -hmm. yeah i think the beauty matters yeah as much as much as the welcoming and the tea and the yeah
0: yeah, I, I say something similar, in, in when it comes to smiles, I, I love people's smiles, and, and some of the most beautiful smiles I've ever seen. These people do not have nice teeth. Some these people sometimes don't even have more than three teeth, you know. But it, it, a smile is much more than 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 the teeth. The smile is it, it's it's the eyes, and it's more than anything else. It's the it's the energy. Yeah, you know, it's the energy. It's it's how it's conveyed, you know, and and I think that's similar to to what you're saying. I
1: was going to say, I think the other thing that intrigues people before they know that everyone is invited in is if you take a look at the table, they're trying to figure out what all those people are doing at the same table <laughs> because right. it's people of very different ages, it's people of very different obvious and visually right, socioeconomic, yeah. different ethnicities, and, and I think when you see us all, I think people stop stay stare first because they're trying to say what has all these people in common and we do have regulars there are about 15 to 20 people who show up regularly but there's every week there are people who just drop by and maybe have only ever been there once
0: Mm. how many people do you think have been to the tea party total since the beginning
1: roughly 20 25 a day and and from 17 till COVID, we were doing it weekly because we had an inside home 20 times 50
0: that's a lot
1: yeah <laughs> I oh for 10 years <laughs> for 10 years right but yeah yeah
0: 20 times 50. So was a thousand yeah so thousands no 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 that's why <laughs> i'll edit it out if i get it wrong i just put like the word no
1: two times five is ten <laughs> and two zeros that's right, right yeah okay. yeah um thousands There's Two thousand people wow
0: yeah thousands wow yeah any encounters stand out like we talked about can change your life and can change others and we talked about the person who put you in contact with the times and and they did that piece on on you and then tea party and you talked about the turkish actor are there any encounters that really just stand out for you that, that really had made an impact something that stays with you even till now
1: yeah i i if i have to say one person um it's my friend andy It's my friend, Andy, because Andy took the Tea Party to a different level.
0: Was he your friend before that?
1: Nope. I'm going to tell you how. So the Tea Party, the New York Times article ran the end of 2017. My father passed in January of 2018 and so march i I always you know before we had a winter home and and i don't we're not doing indoor events during COVID, so it will be we'll take that kind of january off and i say that first 50 degree day in march i'm at the tea party right so it was march of 2018 we started back up again but in june of 2018 someone walked up to me with this giant tea party hat made of paper It was huge it was beautiful and he said i found you and i said do i know you and he said no but i read the new york times article and i thought i saw a kindred spirit so i took a chance to come by and i sat with andy and he had lost his mom the same month that i'd lost my dad so we were just talking and serving tea and he was mostly observing and Andy gave me. He was the one that coined the term "beloved community." Tea. Mm. He's an artist, and he did this thing that he thought that I would appreciate because it was a similar thing. Every year, Andy he reclaims literal garbage. Right? He'll he'll <laughs> he dumpster dives and will take out things that have been discarded paper and and high-end fashion bags and and different things and he turns them into hats and when I say hats I'm talking about fancy beautiful hats and during the for for 15 or 16 years I may get that wrong he would spend the whole year making hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hats and we keep them in the storage little space in the basement of his tiny apartment and at on Easter every year he would go to Fifth Avenue with um do you know when you have um in stores they have the racks where they move clothing
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yep. he would have racks yeah, and racks
1: yeah. with these hats hanging yeah. and he would just pass them out to anyone who came to the Easter parade for free oh, and they yeah. were works of art I mean br- beautiful brilliant works of art And he said, I do it once a year and I just spend my time just connecting with people and I spend all day Easter kind of connecting with the public and in this joyful exchange and he said and when I read that you do this every week I wanted to know you Mm. and and he gave me a metaphor Marco and he was the one that really said no we have to keep this going all year and he had worked at Bank of America which is right across the street from Bryant Park And he said, you know, there's an atrium there so we can go there when it's raining, but it's not heated. And then over the skating rink in Bryant Park was a heated place that's now not open to the public. And he went about really tending to the tea party Mm -hmm. in a way that I didn't feel like it was me running this thing, that it was, he was the person that made me understand that although I showed up with the tea, the plates, the cup and everything, that there was nothing about it that was about me, that was when we shifted to being a real community right and there were a bunch of people that came because of the new york times article the ones that stayed uh corey Kilgannon was exactly right were the ones who came for the right reason they were seeking that type of community in a city that can seem so unfriendly mm, yeah and and that core of people are kind of the ones that are still we call ourselves the regulars right, right. and one was a tour guide He's a tour guide. He's a uh, bus tour guide in New York. And and so, but it was Andy who who said that I, and I started to think about when I do work, right? And you see this too. You and I have talked about this. The people you deal with, or not deal with, the people you, I'm going to say minister to. That's kind of my language. Mm-hmm. Some of them have been or felt discarded, right? The, mm-hmm. or, or not seen or not loved. And I got this powerful metaphor, Marco. He literally goes around. And there was one time, do you know cash register receipt tape rolls?
0: Yep, yep.
1: He just found that someone had just thrown those out. They hadn't been used. They were still in plastic. He took a bunch of those. He feathered them and made this hat that looks like this glory. I I mean, he would take these things that other people had discarded and turn them into things of beauties that you thought, why aren't we always like this? And I thought that's what I want to do with what better looks like the feel like with my work, I want to look at either people, systems, things that either have been discarded or should be discarded, and transform them in ways that make them so much more beautiful, and powerful, and the vision of how we want to be living, that we wonder, why don't we always do that? Why haven't we always done it this way? Yeah. So I would say, i mean so many magical ones but andy's the one that probably shifted us most to the intentionality of community
0: right yeah is there any place or any thoughts of combining the the tea party with the other piecework work you do i mean because just in the way you're describing it now i mean it this is it, it this this is something that the concept can be Shared in other cities. Yes, this this could be the TED Talk of <laughs> the peace community. Has there has there ever been any interest in other people doing this in in other places in other cities?
1: Yeah, it is interesting. I'm think I think about this a lot. I think about this a lot. It's funny. I was just invited through what better looks like to do a workshop that I do with the Girl Scouts and the woman who was doing the program. I know her. Her, the, her boss, I guess, is her, and she said, "Ask Liz about the tea party." And I told her, and I was doing two different storytelling programs with the Girl Scouts—one with five to seven-year-olds and one with nine to twelve-year-olds—and they said, "Would you do the tea party?" So I brought the cups to the to the workshop, mm. and I let the girls pick their tea cup, and they were so enchanted, right? And they got a little baked good. I, I have been thinking about modeling it, mm. and I think the tricky part—I think also what makes it work is it truly echoes that idea of the beloved community the beloved community is based on the fact that no one's left out right when martin luther king used to talk about systems whether that be justice systems education systems healthcare systems the idea of the beloved community is we have to build systems where no one is left out right. and that's a model we've created at the tea party and that's why i feel authentic using that term beloved community no one's left out everyone's welcome everyone's yeah. included I, I do think there probably is a way to replicate it and people have reached out like right. when i was in just a few weeks ago a woman was walking by and asked what we were doing and she said oh my god i just gave away my grandmother's teacups i could have had a i had it could have had a tea party wow. so i think seeds get planted yeah um yeah, yeah i i you know i got a lot of time left i think we'll probably figure that <laughs> out and i do think i do try to weave both the work with the peace lines my own work with what better looks like and and the tea party as i don't see them as separate it's all one it's all one woven cloth
0: yeah i could see that yeah so when you think back about now that we know that's thousands of people was (laughs) there anyone i mean you, you also spoke about andy and how he had been looking for you but Are there any other encounters that you had with someone where they really where they reached out and they really expressed gratitude or this is something that they needed or something that changed them or connected them in some way?
1: Yeah, yeah, a lot of people. I can tell you one one person was walking by. It was when we were it was a rainy day and we were in the atrium across the street at Bank of America, but it's the same tables and the same chairs. And we'd set it up and we had the tea party and a woman just looked through the glass and she had a friend with her. And um, and she walked in and she said, "I just wanted to say how lovely those teacups are." And um, and I said, "Would you like to join us?" And she said, "Are you serious?" I said, "Yeah. Would you like to join us?" And she kind of had to talk her friend into it <laughs> a little bit, right? And that, so that's the so, New Yorker
0: right there. That is suspicious. the New
1: Yorker. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so they sat down. And it, it turned out, it it was interesting. It was a really hard time for her. She's an actress and she worked in New York um, and her husband had recently passed. And so she lost her apartment and she was newly, ho- newly homeless. Oh. And she said, one of my great joys was sitting around every day with my husband having a cup of tea. Oh. And we stayed in touch. And it turned out that a week after she saw us, she was doing a play reading of a new play she was working on and we uh, you know a couple of us from the tea party were able to get tickets and i've stayed in touch with her she's been back during covid even we didn't see one another she she went to stay with family out of state mm-hmm. um but but she really said in that moment when i just needed to connect with love and beauty it, this was there and 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 we've been there for one another mm-hmm. we've been there for one another yeah yes nice thank you
0: I would imagine that just meeting so many people and having these casual, natural encounters and, you know, the topic of of the podcast, the focus of my work and, and what I do is authenticity. I would imagine that you've seen authenticity in so many different ways in the people that you've met. What are the common threads that you found across the people that you've met?
1: I love this question so much, Marco, and I know that I have expressed to you. I love authenticity is such a powerful word. And what I realized was I there was a way that I start if it's if someone I don't know shows up i I just kind of started asking a question, and I don't know what made me ask it the first time, but it's kind of my go-to question, and it unlocks exactly what I think you were talking about. and i I just if someone sits down and, I don't know if I'll ever see them again or whatever. And I always start with, is there something about yourself you'd like me to know? Mm. And what I love about the question is you get, it gets to the key of the authentic self marker because no one has a prepared answer for that. Yeah. We, we meet people all day. People ask us, what do you do? What's your favorite thing? Do you have enough? But, but, but it's not a question people have a prepared answer for.
0: Right.
1: So I find people right away and, you know what's interesting for me this is the common thread if you're asking me i didn't think about it in that term till just now they want to make a genuine answer to give a genuine a genuine effort to give a genuine answer to a genuine question right right and so i was talking to one guy and i was sitting by myself at the table once and there was a guy a couple of tables away really screaming hmm. into his cell phone screaming And I couldn't tell what he was saying. I couldn't hear anything. Uh, It was like a busy day, but he was in distress. Mm -hmm. And as he walked by, I asked him, I just said, it looks like you could use a cup of tea. Can I offer you a cup of tea? And he said, yeah, I would like that. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. we sat down. Um, And all I said is, is there something about yourself you'd like me to know? And he said, yes. He said my daughter's going through some really difficult mental health issues and i can't Mm -hmm. find anyone who can help me and it's so frustrating and we just sat Mm -hmm. you know we just said and he he brought me his authentic self right away because i asked him an authentic question Mm -hmm. yeah and you can take that question on any level right people have told me oh my god i love gardening yeah. Or, but I find they give you they really take their time and they give you a genuine question uh, answer because they recognize that you've asked them a genuine question.
0: Yeah. 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 What are the most important lessons that you feel you've learned so far in in all of these encounters that you've had with people?
1: I will tell you one thing. And as I said, you know, you go each week and each encounter pushes you forward. Yeah. But, but a gentleman said something, a friend of mine, I had done some workshops with him. And he brought a friend of his to the table and his friend was a rabbi and we were sitting there for a while and he he at one point he said this feels like shabbat dinner this feels like right and from that moment on i never didn't think of it that way i thought this is a sacred space and i try to make it a sacred space and i always was intentional about creating the space but then i was more content about that idea that when when you claim something as sacred space, right. it makes it a little different. And so it's that, the importance of, of that deep intentionality. And the other thing that I had a friend just name for me recently, Marco, and I'm grappling with it. Because have you ever had the experience of someone reflecting back to you the way they see you and it doesn't match how you see yourself? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I mean, in positive and mm-hmm, negative mm-hmm, ways, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know. Of
0: course.
1: But I was talking to a friend recently, and they—I just sought out some advice, and they reflect. They said something to me, and I said, um, thank you for that. You made me. You made me brave."
0: Mm.
1: And this person is not a New Yorker, right? And this this friend said to me, "You think you need someone to make you brave?" She said, for years, you sit in the middle of what some people might think the most dangerous city in the world, and you serve tea to everyone who walks by and you welcome it. She said, you think you need help being brave? Like, that's so brave. And it never occurred to me to think that that was a brave thing to do.
0: Sure. Well, in New York, we won't, We don't use the word brave. We call it we no. say crazy. We say crazy like, girl, you're crazy. <laughs>
1: You're telling me no, you sitting so up, up with strangers giving them tea at your own cups. <laughs> and it's yeah, so it's funny. So to me, and I, and this is the other thing. I will just say this. This is another intentionality. Because I wanted people to feel comfortable drinking out of like a Limoges China cup mm-hmm. in the park. Because a lot of times people get concerned. They're like, what if it breaks? And I always say to them, every year something breaks. Yeah. And behind me, underneath the table, like right behind me, I have a giant thing of broken cups and saucers and the plan. And I think because next year is our 10th year and Andy is an artist and we have a whole bunch of artists. I always said to them, I'm saving the pieces and we're going to turn it into a mosaic. Nice. So I said, so if nothing breaks, you've drunk had a drink out of this beautiful cup. But if it does, the worst thing that's going to happen is it's going to become a piece of art. Nice. Yeah.
0: That's cool. I, I'm, I'm, I'd I'm i love to see. What, yeah, I want to see what that turns out to be.
1: Yeah, well, I'll let you know when we start working on yeah. it. Maybe you could oh. break away. So that's it. So I would say what I've learned over the years about myself and about that is, um, oh, I'll quote a friend. My husband made a short film years ago on peace building. And there was a gentleman named Tenny Gross, and he, he does peace building under tough circumstances. He's worked with gang members. He's currently working in Chicago. And when my husband asked him, when my husband asked him if there's anything he, um any last words he wanted to say, he said, if you're going to inspire hope in people, you had better be there when they need you. So I think for me, there has to be that intentionality of showing up. There are days I don't feel like getting up and don't feel like baking and don't feel like getting on the train and getting into the city. But when you know that there are people in a community that's very mutual, like it's this beautiful mutual community and Mm -hmm. that people are counting on you and it. Yeah, that's what keeps me going. Wow. Yeah.
0: What does authenticity mean to you?
1: For me, Marco, what I've come to understand about myself, I feel like every two year old comes to you with who they are right and and a friend and a friend recently said that it, other people put masks on you it's not necessarily that you put masks on yourself right that we we yeah. build these things and then i think we spend a lot of time trying to get back to who we knew we were when we were two right and so for me authenticity is when you strip away everything that isn't who or what you came to the planet to be and i and we could name it i'll give you a true example when i started doing what better looks like uh, when we built up the tenets, one of the ideas came from my husband. And he said he felt everyone came to the planet to be a healer, an artist, or a teacher, or some combination of the three, right? I think of the acronym HAT, healer, artist, teacher. Okay. Yeah. So in that work, I asked people, really one of the workshops where were and asking people, what do you think you're here to heal, create, or teach? Oh. Right? And when I started this work, my boys who are now 23 and 20, almost 21, were five and eight. And I asked my eight-year-old, what do you think you came to heal, create, or teach? And he said, I came to heal anger. There are too many angry people on this planet. And my five-year-old said, I came to teach people we have to stop killing gorillas. And I don't know why that mattered to him so much. right? But we all know that when you talk to a two-year-old, they are authentically themselves. And for me, authenticity is just remembering who we were when we were two. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and and creating new connections was so simple back then. You know, I remember watching my kids when they were, <laughs> when they were a little bit younger, you know, my, my, my daughter's 10 and my son is 15 right now. Yeah. Um. But when they were younger, it, you know, they reminded me how easy it was to make friends. How easy was it? You're literally in the park, you walk up to a kid, you say hey do you want to be my friend like yeah okay okay you're my friend now and then they go and they introduce you to the parents like yeah. hey this is so and so he's my new friend like, yeah okay and that's it you know and and yeah. then hence you know we shared the the yeah. experience yeah like, yeah yeah. You
1: know, it's so true
0: yeah. sometimes yeah. walking by people in the street you say like, good morning because i'm so used to saying good morning at work this is a morning good morning good morning good morning it's like everything it's like reflex there's no thought involved anymore it's just Reading everyone with like, good morning and so sometimes so I'm outside and like good morning and you get like that look like and, do I know you
1: <laughs> so I will tell you uh, someone someone said something that was so true it was a person who only attended one tea party and he was from the south mm. and we were sitting there and we were having this lovely conversation and he was living in the north now and he said and I was I was talking about that idea that people have this idea of what New Yorkers are and and who we are And I said, I I think we're busy and New York is difficult citizenry, right? Because it's crowded and people rush by you. It's exactly what you said. And he said, what I find in New York is if I'm on the subway and I'm carrying seven bags and I get to the bottom of the steps and I'm struggling, six people will grab my bags, walk them to the top of the steps, put them down. They don't want to know how my day is. They don't ask me about my aunt, but they'll carry the bags up the steps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said where I'm from, if I'm walking around carrying seven bags, someone might come up to me and say, How you doing, honey? And I'll say, Well, I'm carrying these seven bags. And they'll say, Yeah, you are, and walk away. <laughs> <laughs> and that rings true for me. And I'm not saying that is the generation. Yeah. I love everybody. But New Yorkers, I feel like if you can get us to slow down enough, and that's the beauty of the tea party. If you can get us to slow down enough, we can be human to one another.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Bit, but that's the key, and that's why I said I think if I was handing out tea in paper cups, it wouldn't be the same. Yeah, you have to slow down enough to sit at the tea party.
0: And- yeah, this is the best place to do a tea party. It's, it's
1: <laughs> which it's it's. it's, it's, it's New York is just like
0: that it's, I mean I love New York I can't imagine myself living anywhere else it's a love-hate relationship
1: I, without a it's doubt love without a doubt
0: you know and like you, you have your bad days you' are just like I all mean, right you know at this place I'm gonna leave you like a, you're able to go to a store at 10 o'clock at night you know it's like all right, yeah. gonna, I'll, I'll stick around for a little bit longer <laughs> and then you deal you find things you come across unexpectedly you know things like yeah. the tea party when you're in the train station The live music you know um yeah people outside they just put the radio on now it's on their cell phones people just start dancing in the street yeah
1: yeah. that's my people that that's, that's right. it it comes down to that like exactly kind of the theme of the talk right what are the unexpected encounters yeah. because where i live now i live on long island and everyone gets in their car in their driveway, and their drive when they drive wherever they're going and you don't have as many unexpected encounters it, mm-hmm. that is the beauty it's exactly what you named as the theme of the talk right yeah. you have so many unexpected encounters in new york and it's kind of how you especially if you sit there on purpose and just say yeah I'm
0: here. Yeah. Yeah. And so, people watching or listening to this, who are not from New York, it ain't bad here. <laughs> it's like everything else. You know, you gotta, use your you gotta be smart that. about it. You know, you do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta lock your doors out here. But <laughs> it's, yes, it's that's cool. what we, we do. Yeah. That we do. But it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. So, um, what do you want to share? One final message, and then I want you to tell us a little bit about how people can get sure. in contact with you, or maybe to to donate to the tea party or the work that you do, or to find out more about the peace projects. Yeah. Um, but hit me with like some some words of wisdom for whoever's listening to this um, about anything about authenticity, about peace, about encounters. Um, what do you feel? Yeah, for a me, you'd like to share.
1: Yeah, for me, I'm going to share that that thing I've really been weighing is that balance between the lesson of my father and the lesson of my mother, right? That um, that there's this, the fast, I, I will tell this, I have a couple of teachers that taught me in peace building, and both of them said some version of the fastest way to change the world is to change the story that we tell.
0: Oh.
1: And so for me, the story that I can sit in New York and create this space in this way it's such an unexpected story right like people um so to me think about the story you're here to tell and what could you switch right how, what how would you change the story the story is everyone's too busy everyone is or the world people are horrible or, like we can change the story and starts just by what's the better story you'd like to tell mm. so for me that's it and it's interesting to me right i i d- I I have two organizations, like I said, that are my heart and soul. And one is, you can find it, Mm whatbetterlookslike.org. And we do work. One of my co-founders is from Rwanda. So we do both local work, but also a project in Rwanda. And you can find that out. And Peace Alliance, one word, right? PeaceAlliance.org. But what's interesting for me, and this is the last thing I'll probably say to you, is if people want to come to the Tea Party and share and bring tea or bring cups or whatever. Like I accept that, but I really, I've just drawn this line that I don't accept donations for the tea party because to me, it's my gift.
0: Right.
1: It's kind of my gift to the beloved community. I can sit, I can show up and and it's my gift. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to come and, and be in person and do something, I, we always, I, I say bring something to share. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of the philosophy, show up, be here and share what you have yeah.
0: and that's awesome well this thank you so much for being a part of it <laughs> i'm
1: always, so grateful
0: i know it's always so beautiful talking to you and, and yeah we, we've had coffee and tea um, <laughs> we uh, sure not, a, not at the tea party but we, we've no. had coffee and tea a few times yeah and, and our conversation's always great and, and yeah uh i'm so grateful to you and appreciative to you oh back at you. And uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, that, that's our episode for today. I really hope you enjoyed this uh, conversation that you found it enlightening and it encourages you to go out and to just start a conversation with someone as long as you feel comfortable and safe with it um, and do something that's pretty neutral, you know, like uh, offer someone a cup of tea uh, <laughs> or just a simple good morning or hello. Uh, yeah. So once again, my name is Marco Benitez, also known as Coach Marco B. I'm an authenticity coach and I help people to live unapologetically the, themselves the way they want to and to feel okay with the things that they want so they can reduce their stress and live a life that's inspiring to them and others uh so i'll leave you with the quote of jim carrey which is you could fail at something you don't want so you might as well take a chance at something you love and remember to mind your business the business of being you.
1: <laughs> i love it take care